Good day, friends. Welcome to the Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. I'm your host, Elcio Eber, transformational author, speaker, and life coach. Allow me to be a guide as you discover your higher self and your magic within. Good day, Kirti. Nice to meet you. Thank you for joining me on Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. Hi, Elcio. It's wonderful to be able to be a part of this. Yes, thank you. I'm very happy to have you here. I'd like to start off by uh, asking you to officially introduce yourself and, you know, who you are, what you do, and uh, you can introduce your friend as well. And then from there, I'll kind of introduce to you again what I've been up to since we last saw each other in San Jose, California. I know it's been a while. So can you tell us a little bit about Kirti and what you do? Yeah, definitely. So I live in Navi, Mumbai. That's very close to Mumbai. And... I'm, I'm really sorry. This is my daughter who made some noise. I've been a UX designer for the past 10 years and I've enjoyed my conversations with LCO when I was learning tennis from him. This was way back in 2008 in yeah. San Jose. And it's wonderful that we just happened to communicate over Facebook and we happen to have certain ideas, share certain ideas around how women feel about themselves and how women like to speak about themselves yes. and thinking about that we have ended up coming here and I also brought in my friend Purvi who happens to live in Navi Mumbai and she's a colleague of my husband. We have interacted on many occasions around uh, in general how women are treated, how women are looked at in, in the society. We are particularly ta- talking about the Indian society. Yes. Um, uh, of course, I think we'll we'll um, unravel more and more topics as we as we discuss further. No, I'm very happy to have you. And yes, correctly, it's been about a long time. 2008 in San Jose, California. At that time, you know, I was really transitioning here from Europe into US and launching my tennis academy and trying to work two different avenues on that. What I've been up to in that time, Kirti, is I've expanded from tennis, health, and wellness. Uh, I've expanded into transformational life coaching, and I've been doing that for a while. And that was a spawning of a passion from a spiritual nature from within. I always just had a natural ability to communicate with individuals or groups, I realized, when I was coaching. And it was beyond the words or listening to what someone has to say or how they learn things is I had a natural knack for seeing who they were inside or beyond the facade or beyond what is introduced. And that led me to really understood that I was able to cut past all of the illusions and you really start to communicate on a one-to-one basis with who someone truly is. And that's a very interesting place to be because it's open and it's free and it's kind of how the world should sort of function and flow. And yes, that leads me into a very interesting perspective of how males and females interact or how we are versus how we should be. And this comes from my personal journey of searching to my own self as I was healing and discovering what I now call the ocean of consciousness. And so my book and podcast and everything is around swimming in the ocean of consciousness and has to do with the process of an individual learning how to venture within self or within one's own spirit and consciousness, or I termed it as swimming into the ocean of consciousness, and the depths of which one is able to go into oneself takes one closer and closer to what is then source or primordial 
existence. And that is a place where we don't want to be lost. And the only way to do that is to have a good anchor, a good starting point with who you are and what you are about. And that allows you to then return from physical perspective with a new enlightened spectrum. I like to calling it like a lighthouse of hope, where once you find who you truly are, you're able to be that existence, that presence for others who are not there yet or who still struggles from within a darker place where they don't have that type of freedom, which to me then comes around to some of the things you're talking about in women's rights and women's freedom and women's individuality. And so I find it very interesting because I believe that male and females have a purpose of creating a balance and that balance should balance the world. And I think when that spectrum is off balance and in this case, women aren't treated equal and see the value that, you know, let's say spirit or source created female to have a certain purpose and stance in the world. And when that's taken from her, the world is in balance. And it's so difficult that it has to be struggling to come down to the matriarch or patriarch level of thinking or how that rules the world. But I'd like to allow that then to flow into giving you then the table so you can then sort of let me know what your position is on women and also what you mean when you say women's independence or women's rights. And then that can help us to start the conversation for where you'd like to go. So something that has always been in my mind since my childhood, since I've seen my mom, uh, my grandmom, is that, you know, you tend to see them in the kitchen for a very long time in the day. And uh, they are seen as a source of being the provider of the family, uh, taking care of the entire family in all aspects, you know, be it something as small as sewing clothes or uh, doing the kitchen work or cleaning the households. And I've seen men, may not always be particular to my home, but in general, even at my relative's place or family friend's place, you don't see men very participative in household work. So this has always been a contrast that I've observed. And yeah. I don't know how to put it together. I, I don't know how to react to it or to feel about it. And I, Purvi has a point she would like to add to it. Yes, please. So basically, I would like to actually just share my thoughts on it. Being in the Indian society, what uh, I have always observed is that whenever it comes to adjustment, may it be in any aspect of life, I've seen a woman adjusting like much more than a male. And it's a, you know, a general tendency. Whenever it has to be adjustment in sense of anything, yeah, it is by default for a woman. Male, dude, I'm not saying they don't adjust, but... It is by default taken as it's the duty of a female in the house to adjust. What I have observed in Indian society particularly, this is the by default mindset which is going on. And Can it's, you add an example to it? Yeah, so like uh, whenever I, I've been in my home particularly, my mom, my mother is also working. And whenever it comes to about kitchen, it's all, always my mother who will be cooking. And one day if she doesn't, we'll be ordering. No one else will be going in the kitchen to cook. Okay. You know? So uh, sometimes I feel bad for her, but at the same time, I feel I don't want to be that particular woman who is responsible for everything. And by default, it's in the mindset that she'll be the one who will be doing things right in case if something goes wrong. That yeah. is a very general tendency in India. I've been watching it for a long time now. 
having lived in Europe and America and Caribbean and different places, I don't think it's something that's unique to India. I think there is that sense of connection to history. And I think that's why this conversation is so important because at some point, if we look at life as a stream which allows us to come forth through growth and that process is time, whether it's male or female, we are all intended to become more, or to be more. And I, what bothers me the most is when I see generational gaps and things stay the same, but we are expected to then say, yes, we are advancing in life, we are evolving. But a lot of basic communications or basic ethics within the society, which really starts within the home, stays the same from um, some sort of struggle between the male and the female and instead of a harmony and a union within a home or within a marriage and within a family unit. And that imbalance is not just unique, I think, to India because I think the last lady I interviewed here was recovering from a divorce which she was married to a narcissist and her life was just made miserable to the control and the level of control with which this individual felt freedom to rule her life and use what they call gaslighting and many different mental and emotional abuses to control her. And it took her so long to leave and get out of that situation. And that sense really helped me to really want to look at it a little deeper because from a man's perspective, and I now have a new partner in my life who is also divorced and unfortunately from a malignant narcissist. So I'm learning from her how much different she sees my level of love and affection and commitment as a partner. And she made an observation the other day that her kids were watching me and her interact as a couple. But what I was doing in reference to what you were trying to say there, I was raised by my grandmother and so she felt there's certain things as a man she wanted me to know in life. And some of those were, you know, how to clean a house, how to cook for myself, how to do sewing and patch up things and how to be able to take care of myself. She never wanted me to be dependent. She always used the word, one day I'll close my eyes and I won't be here anymore. And I need to know for myself and third that I taught you the best how you can stand on your own and never have to be dependent on someone. And in that spectrum, I learned how to do a lot of house chores and housework at an early age, not out of punishment, but it was more preparation in life for me. And so my girlfriend's kids were watching me do the dishes. I actually had cooked dinner and then I was actually helping clean up because then my girlfriend was selling stuff, getting homework done, making sure everybody is done. And she said that it's unusual for them because they're not used to their father being such a partner in the marriage or in a home to be able to do certain things. So they find it strange to watch me as a man help their mother clean or do different things. And then was realized that this is not correct in how freely we, we feel the next generation should adapt or learn these things from default, that women should be the ones to be at the bottom doing things instead of it being an equal opportunity where a relationship is built on a neutrality of male-female energy, mind, body, spirit coming together to create a family and a loving home, nature versus when no one is in charge of the other one, it is a union of self. And two people are coming together in love. And when you share that love, you share that love in its entirety. And it can't have love and affection and have domination at the same time in one love in one moment. There has to be one or the other will be present. And the question is when anger or hatred or domination or control is present, then it's not love and affection and harmony. Yeah, I think the kind of scenario that you are narrating and the kind of relationship that you are in right now is probably 
I mean, I'd use the word utopian. It's beautiful to know that something like that is existing and is continuing to exist. It would definitely be sort of a dream situation for many, many women who would want to live, who are sort of the modern women now, yeah. want to live an independent life. Maybe not independent, but maybe self-dependent life. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it's, it's, it's beautiful it's, to know what you're saying because I'm sort of quoting people whom I've heard in my surrounding, like 60-year or 70-year-old males saying that, you know, I've never washed clothes in my life. My wife does has always done that for me. And now that my wife is not there, I don't bother much about getting my clothes very clean. You know, I just put it in the machine, it's done. Now it's become burdensome. Till the wife was there, it was her duty, sort of her responsibility. But now it's just a drab work for the male. Yeah. I think with women... Uh, what I've experienced being in a marriage and being in a family setup is that the problem is not with working or getting household work done. The yeah. The issue is when you have to keep switching between a lot of mental work that these days we sort of in the tech industry do and then getting back to this drab, very routine household work. It's a 180 degree shift yeah. and it takes a lot of energy to keep shifting between these two different worlds. That's what I feel. It's not that I'm facing that. Yeah, I mean, I don't deny it. There are times when I have my lows. The issue is, you know, we are happy to take up responsibility. That's number one. Number two, you are asking us to keep switching between the mental work and the physical drab work, the routine mundane work. How do we keep switching that? And I'm talking about women like me who are very privileged. I've seen maids who are from very, very lower economic background. I'm talking about numbers which are 10,000 rupees per month sort of income. So that would amount to, I mean, you can do the math, but very, very little in terms of dollars. Yeah. When I try to talk to them, get an insight into their life. I mean, husbands, they they talk very dirty to them. They talk with um, harsh language, extremely harsh language. Yes. And it's supposed to be normal. Yeah, there's a difficult thing when someone is speaking at you and not to you. And especially, I think, from a relationship perspective, it doesn't matter which culture, which country. I observe it a lot, you know, with Middle Easterns and like Europeans or Russians and so forth. Here, uh, it's just a very harshness that the men have towards the women. And it's always difficult for me to look at and accept it to be a normal when if I take the aspect of society or religion or anything out of it and just look into my heart and into who I am, I don't see that negative coldness towards the species of females. And I think that's why it's a very deeper rooted situation that men feel, men today or the, the way it is, they feel that emotion. It's called the, the waves of emotion and the tides of feeling, but they are incapable of processing those emotions from a mental, spiritual capacity that would make sense to how then they interact that or process that to the world around them. So it just that becomes overflow of emotion which they cannot control and then it becomes harshness in the physical world. And I think rather than finding their position or their purpose then of existing and how does that blend or balance with the female energy, that in itself seems foreign to men to even feel that that is a necessity from their own perspective to develop that skill of looking at a woman and, and knowing what she's feeling and knowing what she's thinking by her eyebrows, about her smile, about 
you know, just being able to have a connection to someone outside of yourself and then look at that person and, and really make a connection as difficult I found for modern men to be able to do. And the question is why, you know, why is it that some people can feel and some people refuse to? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have the answer to why. No, of course. I, I don't know, honestly speaking. Why do males have this thought process or is it that females are being very unjust in asking for this? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it's objectification. As I said, a lot of things are learned through history and time. That's why I keep speaking of it from a spectrum where one generation needs to be able to make a shift of change so we don't repeat two, three hundred years of religious and cultural objectification of women not having a classification of equality. And that's the difference right there because then the new thinking has to come about where there is a balance between matriarch and patriarch existence in the family and then in the society around us. That can happen and slowly in time, the future generation would evolve a change or grow from the new experience that we can put forward. The problem I think is a lot of men today don't want to see themselves from that place. There's just a lot of power and control and then some women try to fight for equality and rights and then end up becoming just as harsh as the men that they once looked at differently. And so that's a challenge of, of growth of society or expansion that we want to keep up with the forward flowing of technology and life and everything that moves us forward. But we cannot leave the past behind. We can't leave the aunties and the grandmas behind that don't have that luxury or that ability to move forward in such a high pace. And so when you look at life from that place of the spectrum, then you, you look and you realize there's an imbalance even from that place of generations. Because to be able to leap forward means you have to leave certain things behind or certain peoples behind, or not that necessarily behind, but they won't be able to wrap their minds around the things you're able to conceptualize and in, in spawning into the new life that is before. And that's the generational gap that exists. And I think it's the same thing that exists within culture, within families, where if one, the male and the female can come together and love and kindness, and like I said, not have where one has to be in charge or the leader, but that we look how we can do it together. I can use myself as an example, Kirti, because it's... Um, with my girlfriend and myself, I came from a divorced family as well around the age of 10. And I was very adamant with my girlfriend that seeing that she has three kids and coming from a divorce, I wanted to take the time to nurture our relationship and to get to know her kids and to build a loving kindness with her. And we take the time to see how we evolve the relationship and move forward into what we're now calling, you know, our significant other in partnership. We're not really looking at we need to have the marriage around it because, and that's a personal perspective of mine, and I tried to introduce it to her because I'm coming, not just because I came from the divorce spectrum, but because as a person, I evolved to the point that I realized any true union is between self, your partner, and the divine energy of spirit that you make your commitment with your partner to not a piece of governmental paper that exists and say you're bounded to this person. And when we can grow past that document and really then start to understand the relationship and build it on that relationship and our words and our commitment to that person in the presence of the divine spirit, that we live up and have accountability in self 
and in the face of God with the one we choose to love, then there is not a rulership between what that paper means in marriage or the woman doesn't become the property of the male and get stamped with his name and become something just about two people forming a committed relationship and bringing forth life through that spectrum. And I was very cautious to have these types of conversation. And, you know, just so I think it might be helpful, I'm sharing, my girlfriend and I have what we call a sacred space. And it's kind of like, as we lay in bed together at night, we choose to have silence and we just lay in a sacred space and we communicate openly and honestly about our day and our life and how was your day and the things that we're feeling. And from there, we can ease into the night's sleep in each other's arms. But we have a place where we're safe to talk about the things that would help us to nurture and grow our relationship unobstructed. That's very, very beautiful to know about. Purvi has a point. Yes. Yeah, so what I actually am feeling in this context is that uh, usually what I see uh, women fear or you know, they are insecure or fear to face the stressful situation. You know, if they refuse something or if they fight for something or if they uh, stand up against something they are not feeling right. There will be a situation in the house that will hamper the peace and the situation will be stressful. Yes. It cannot be incorporated in one day, two day or a year. But I think it can be incorporated from a very you know, young age or, or a good period of time. Where people tend to face the reality, accept the reality and face the distressful situation. Because any situation that is stressful where you don't have peace will be passing with some solution. So whenever there is something that women does not like, they should say and be ready to face it. You know, if something is going back, be strong, be mentally that strong that uh, whatever is going bad, they can fix it up uh, without compromising the thing which they felt to be right. And this is just not, cannot be incorporated in, you know, very few period of time. It will take a long time to accept the reality. Yeah, then that's why I believe, you know, if a woman has the support and the love of her partner, as you said, it's not going to happen overnight, but the love and support of the partners there, then together they can be an example. That's why I meant earlier when I said a lighthouse of hope. So together their love and their union and their communication sparks this light from their heart that is now a guiding light or becomes a light that guides the next generation, the children and watches them, how they solve problems, how they work together, how they cook together, how they clean together, how they face the world together. When the new generation sees this union and this new light amongst male and female, separated from everything else, that gap that you're talking about, that time that it takes for that shift can happen, but it also can happen in a shorter period of time because we are giving then the example to the future generation. And is when what you're describing, the woman is a fearful of speaking up or voicing her opinion or asking for change or asking for assistance because of the tension that will be brought into the home or in many cases it's physical abuse. So they get there is physical abuse and, and emotional and mental abuse that happens in a dominated type of sense when there is not balance in a home, but when the male feels that especially when their perspective of thinking or the scope from where they see the world is where the woman is a lesser category than they are, then they tend to treat them less than a dog or in that sense of where they look, not only look down on, but then they don't have it in their sense of 
reason that this is someone that's some being that should be equal to me. In some cases, maybe even look up and, and worship or praise because this is this is the place where life comes from. This is the nurturing scope, you know. Yeah, that is very true. That can help, and examples created can definitely influence the society, which might make a difference not today but some way in the future. Yeah, there has to be the point where okay, there is a need for this change to happen, this shift. And then, like you said, the examples are there because it's in everyone's life. And all these women that you said, and all these different, like Katie was discussing with the, the the maid and the different thing. These are all different spectrums. Everyone can have a, a chance to flow and love better. And if we do it as an individual, that means we're doing it within our home. If we do it within our home, we're contributing to the social growth of society. And that's where we can see change happen on a mass scale. But then it, it has to be that willingness to go beyond what is uncomfortable. And, and that sometimes it's difficult to speak the truth to people that don't see a problem <laughs> with their behavior or their actions. Yeah, I think the key is to be fearless and speak up. That's, I think, how we can begin. Yeah, uh, teach to teach, be, teach women, yeah, to park important issues or deep-rooted issues in favor of quote unquote having a harmonious house actually doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. So I was just referring to the post that I had put on Facebook that brought us to this point of communication. Yeah. And uh, what was crossing my mind those few days was, you know, are women strong? I don't know. Yes or no? Maybe yes. I would, being a woman, I would say yes. But unfortunately, if you dig further deep, you'll find that there's something that's very troublesome. And over years, it could get manifested into some kind of depression or some kind of physical ailment. And that's how the life is led. Yeah, and you know, I think that's a great point, Kitty, And it comes back to us discussing it. And I, to answer that question, for I do believe women are strong. I do believe... Women possess a strength far greater than men. It's just from a different perspective because of their purpose in the world. You know, the feminine species purpose is different from the male purpose and species. And it's when the two crosses that we can create that harmony of family and life. But it's not meant that one has to dominate the other. And that's what I think for generations, we've all been lost of that in many different cultures in different places. Because there has never been in time period where male and females could truly have harmonious balancing in life and in families. And, and that's what, sadly, what today, even today we struggle with. But I'd like to use this as a time to maybe bring this session to an ending. And then we'd like to ask you to join me back again as we could do it a second episode. And we could kind of continue from this question of the strength of women and the purpose of that. So thank you once again, Kirti. And uh, thank you. you again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. It was truly a pleasure to be your guide. Please do join us next time for another eye-opening episode. Until then, please remember to thread water lightly and always be kind and loving to self. Thank you.